circle centers for Cousins, a shot, and he scores. Dylan Cousins makes it 3-0 Lethbridge. Byram going to take it coast to coast on a backhand, scores! Up to the blue line, Vandalese, the effort, tip, scores! Carson Folk is Mr. Teddy Bear! A deflection. Oh, he scores! It's over! It's over! Game 7, overtime, hero! Hi, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the WHL Podcast. I'm Zach Hodder, your host and the manager of player development for the Western Hockey League. On this week's episode, we have the reigning goaltender of the week. He's also the reigning CHL and WHL goaltender of the year, Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips, and Dr. Cassidy Preston. Dr. Preston has his PhD in sport performance psychology, and it was a pleasure speaking to him about what it would be like for our players who are currently in the bubble, our players who are going to be entering the bubble, and how our players can adapt to the pandemic and use it as a launching pad to further their own development. All that's coming up. Before that, it's time for the news and notes. Well, we might as well start the news of the notes with what we already know, which is that Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips has been named the WHL's Goaltender of the Week for the week of March 21st, 2021. Wolf was back up to his old tricks, recording two shutouts as the WHL's U.S. division returned to play this past weekend. Wolf and the Silvertips went 2-0 with no goals against, as he had two shutouts, and the prospect of the Flames turned away all 40 shots he faced against the Spokane Chiefs and Tri-City Americans combined. Over the course of 129 regular season WHL games, Wolf has a career record of 90 wins, 31 losses, 4 overtime losses, and 2 shootout losses, with a career 1.82 goals against and 9.35 save percentage, along with 22 shutouts which is good for third all-time among WHL goaltenders. Moving on to the player of the week for the week of March 21st, 2021, and it is Nolan Ritchie of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Ritchie recorded seven points, three goals, and four assists in three games last weekend as the Wheat Kings went 2-1 in the WHL's Subway Hub Center in Regina. The sophomore forward was originally selected by the Wheat Kings in the third round of the 2017 WHL Draft, and in 33 career WHL games has recorded 20 points, 9 goals and 11 assists. Richie and the Wheat Kings return to the ice tonight as they take on the Moose Jaw Warriors. And finally, the Western Hockey League has announced that Remax of Western Canada will be the official title sponsor of the WHL's hub centers in Kamloops and Kelowna. The BC's Remax Hub Center will get things going this Friday, March 26th, with the Vancouver Giants taking on the Kamloops Blazers at 7 o'clock Pacific Time, followed by the Victoria Royals taking on the Kelowna Rockets at 7.05 Pacific Time in Kelowna. You can catch all of the action on the new and improved WHL Live. That's it for the news and notes. For everything WHL, you can follow us on Twitter at the WHL or on the website www.whl.ca. Our first conversation today is with Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips. Dustin Wolf is on a very similar trajectory as his former goaltending partner, Carter Hart, the current starting goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers. 
In the past year, Wolf has won a World Junior Gold Medal, been a starting goaltender at the American Hockey League, and he's posted back-to-back shutouts to start the year. He is well on his way to being one of the best goaltenders in hockey, and he's shown that he's certainly been that in the Western Hockey League. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dustin Wolf. Today I am joined by, he is the, his most recent accolade, I should say, is the WHL Goaltender of the Week. Didn't take him very long to win, took him one weekend to show the rest of the WHL why he is the top goaltender, not just in the Western Hockey League, but the Canadian Hockey League. The 2019-20 WHL and CHL Goaltender of the Year. Two years in a row, he's had the best goals against and the best save percentage in the Western Hockey League. And in 2018-19, he was the WHL Scholastic Player of the Year. So not only is he unbelievably good at hockey, he's also unbelievably smart as well, which is going to be a triple threat as he continues through his hockey career here. But it's, of course, Everett Silvertips goaltender, Dustin Wolf. Dustin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Let's talk about this first weekend. You get back to Everett. When did you find out that the silver tips were coming back? Uh, how did you find out? Was it a team group chat or did, did somebody reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, like there were obviously a lot of rumors going around over the last couple months. So um, there was a lot of, I'd say, misinformation about when we were going to start, if we were going to start. Like obviously the guys are keeping in touch a ton. So, you know, I came across Twitter that we had gotten approval and the next couple of days, our, our coach sent out a, a message saying we were going to be coming back. I uh, didn't know exact date yet, but, you know, sometime soon. And you know, here we are now. So two games in and it's good to be back. Well, for yourself, you kind of, you've been back a little bit longer than most of your teammates, like we talked about uh, before we jumped on the Zoom, because you started with, with USA Hockey in the World Junior Championship, where you ended up winning a gold medal with Team USA. What was that experience like? And do you think that that, uh, you know, you got a little bit of something to hold over your teammates back here in uh, Everett now. And, and what was that experience like for yourself? Yeah, it was obviously pretty exciting. You know, after last year and, you know, getting knocked out in the quarters against Finland, I think there were a lot of returners that just had a chip on their shoulder about, um, you know, we just wanted to come in and, you know, show what we can do. And, uh, you know, exactly, that's exactly what we did. We came in strong and um, came together as a group, as a whole. And, um, you know, it was an exciting month and a half or so, you know, a very different month and a half for sure. But, um, you know, the bubble environment was a little different than, than a normal scenario, but uh, I think it brought us all pretty close together. And, you know, it was a pretty unreal experience. You went straight from that experience right up to professional hockey. You can officially say that you're a professional hockey player now. You've appeared in three games for the Stockton Heat, but we'll call it Stockton North because you were up in Calgary. Uh, that's where the Flames decided to put their AHL team this year. But what was your experience going from the World Junior Championship, which is an incredibly high level of hockey, to an even higher level of hockey in the American Hockey League? And how did you prepare to make that jump from going from almost no hockey to the highest levels of hockey you've ever played in your life uh, in the span of literally a couple of weeks? Yeah, no, obviously coming off the gold medal and, you know, driving down the, to Calgary there for a couple days of Flames camp and then, um, you know, Stockton's camp started up and, so I think just that solid month and a half before games even started of just consistent reps with, with pro players, um, you know, you address pretty quickly on, you know, guys are bigger, faster, stronger, they shoot harder. And, you know, I think over that period of time, I improved, you know, many aspects of my game that, um, you know, obviously I wasn't just sitting around on my couch. So, you know, it was unreal couple of months up there. Uh, very grateful to have that opportunity and, 
definitely looking forward to the future. Thinking about the future, and, and I'm going to use a former teammate of yours as an example, Carter Hart, who obviously you got to play with your first year in Everett. But when you look at his trajectory, which is eerily similar to your trajectory, how do you stay focused right now with the silver tips on what you need to do over these next 22 games? I mean, you've already shown that you're dialed in considering you have back-to-back shutouts to start the season, but how do you mentally prepare yourself to come back to the Western Hockey League after all the success that you've had and be as locked in and as focused as you are? Yeah, I think right now, you know, one of the biggest things I learned being in Stockton and being around um, Garrett Sparks was just to have fun and enjoy everything. You know, it's probably my last kick of the can here in the Western League. And, you know, really just trying to take in every every day and every moment and um, really just spend time with, with the guys. And, you know, don't take anything for granted. It's it's a privilege to be here. And, you know, I've been grateful to get an early start, a couple games in the American League. But, you know, right here is where my focus is. And uh, just take it day by day and game by game and, you know, see what happens. And you seem to have done that pretty well up to this point. And as you alluded to there, this could be your last kick at the can. Let's be honest. This is most likely your last year in the Western Hockey League. When you look back, when you, you know, 10 years from now, when you look back on your, your four years with the Silver Tips, what do you think your legacy is going to be with this program? I don't know. I think I just want to be remembered as a guy that gave it his all each and every night and, you know, that involved himself in the community and, you know, it was just a, a good team guy. So, you know, really just trying to, you know, spend as much time with the guys and, you know, help all the young guys out as much as I can. At the end of the day, just help the team get wins. So, you know, all the individual stuff is just extras on it and, you know, being around the guys and really just enjoying every moment right now is my main focus. Well, you've got a lot of individual awards you can hold on to. I think you're going to have a couple more uh, in your future here before you're yet to leave the Western Hockey League. But my last question for you, you got 22 games left in this season. You've got 22 games left with this group, with the Everett Silver Tips. Well, you know, what are your goals for these last couple months of your junior hockey career? And what are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, I think just continue to build on what, what we've done in the past. You know, we're a hard team to play against. And, you know, we want to win every single game. You know, we've had a really good start right now and just continue to build on that. And, you know, for myself, just continue to improve each and every day. Like I said, just really enjoy the process of, of being here and trying to help the team win, you know, doing everything I can, keep the puck out of the net. And it's a process and, um, you know, it's a fun right now. So I'm just going to enjoy it. Dustin, I think every time that you're on the starting lineup between uh, between the pipes, I think the Ever Silver Tips have a chance to win. And I think most sports betting books, if we could bet on junior hockey, would give the Silver Tips, if you're in net, a very good chance of winning because you've proven your entire career that you're one of the best goaltenders that we've seen probably maybe ever in the Western Hockey League. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Congratulations on all the success that you've had. I failed to mention in there, you also signed your NHL entry-level contract with the Calgary Flames in this past year. So congratulations on that as well. And I wish you the best of luck as you continue here and finish out your junior hockey career and then head on to the professional ranks. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much to Dustin for taking time out of his day. Our last conversation today is a long one. It's with a very interesting young man. He was a former Ontario Hockey League player turned PhD in psychology, specifically sport performance. It's Dr. Cassidy Preston of ConsistentElitePerformance.com. Today, I am joined by a former Ontario Hockey League player who said, you know what? 
hockey is just something I do. Academics is something I love. This guy has a bachelor of kinesiology from York University in the 19th ranked university in Canada. He thought, you know what? I want to go a little bit higher than that. He went to the number one ranked university in Canada, University of Toronto, where he got his master's in sport performance psychology. Most people say, that's good enough for me. I'm pretty happy with this. I can go have a good career. He was like, I love to read dense, dense books with many citations. So he got his PhD in sport performance psychology from York University. It is Dr. Cassidy Preston. Uh, Dr. Preston, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Zach. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, how are you doing? I am doing quite well. I don't know what the weather's like in uh, in Ontario, but in Calgary, it is unbelievable lately. So yeah, uh, life been, has been going great. good. Yeah, no, that's good. And that's quite the introduction. I don't know if I've had that uh, that, that kind of a hype up on uh, on the academic side. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, we love academics. This part of, as you know, you know, going through hockey, you know, ed education is just as important as the actual playing the game. Just as you know, I mean, you you played more school than you did hockey at this point. But let's talk about your kind of your hockey journey to start. Um, I look at your career; it's kind of a lot like mine, a little bit of an up and down guy in the in the mm -hmm. for you the OHL and junior A. But just what was your junior hockey experience like? Yeah, it was um, it was fun in a lot of ways. I was I was fortunate. I'm from a smaller town in Ontario, uh, North Bay, and was fortunate to get drafted in the fourth round. I'm all excited. I go play junior the next year. And my junior, actually, my first year junior A was a bit tough. I was on a, I actually got like a hat trick early in like preseason, but then the regular season came, I was on a really good team and it didn't quite start going well. I actually broke my jaw and then I got traded to Pembroke because there was, I was going to get more playing time there and the team I was on. So it was like, okay, I did okay. And then I was like, well, I want to go play in the OHL. So like, let's just go. And I train really hard and I go make it to the OHL. Uh, and one of the, I know the podcast you would listen to, were talking about making that jump. And I, I think I made that jump too soon. And, and I was even on the starting lineup. I thought I was getting drafted to the NHL and it went not so well. We'll talk. I, I faced, everybody faces adversity. I had a no point season uh, as a forward. I had 34 games, healthy scratched. Like that was tough. And I was able to bounce back from that, you know, go up and down throughout my career. Had had some good years in the O or okay years. Uh, play my last year junior, went back and played junior A, played a little bit of pro, and then my five years of university hockey um, after that at York and U of T um, was where I really kind of fell in love with the mental side of the game because I played great one game and I was a disaster the next. Your confidence was high and it was low. And, you know, there's so much good knowledge out there about our mindset and mental game, but it's one thing to understand the knowledge and then it's now a whole other thing to apply it and apply it consistently. So that's why, you know, I read all those books as you referred to um, and, uh, and spend more time and energy there because these concepts are simple, but they're not always easy to grasp. And so my job is to kind of make them now, you know, not so tangible, make them much more tangible, easy to digest and apply. So that's, uh, I, I went off my, my career, uh, off my playing career and it started to drive, but they're so interconnected. That's why I do what I do now. So yeah, I, I did enjoy my junior career, but there was a lot of ups and downs as I alluded to. And you've started a company, it's called Constant Elite Performance. And on your website, in your bio, it actually talks about a specific part of your season where 
you realized you had 70 of 74, 79 points in, in a very short amount of time, but you had mm -hmm. said in the season, if I didn't get a point in the first period, I was yeah. not going to get a point in that game. And there was yeah. 20 games in like 48 that you didn't score a point. And then the other yeah. 29, you had like 78 points or something like yeah. that. And yeah. at the time you didn't realize, but that is the mental performance side of the game. And 100%. now that you're in it and you understand, and you're an expert in the field, you talk about solving abstract and complex solutions with simple problems. I mean, simple solutions to complex and abstract problems. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you look back on yourself, what do you think went wrong for you during those 29 games? Yeah, no, for sure. I appreciate it. And it, yeah, it's consistent elite performance. And the key thing, cause I was inconsistent, <laughs> it's like a hot and then cold and what was going on, which a lot of players deal with in different ways. And there's a lot of the concepts overlap is if I didn't do well early, then I'm beating myself up. I'm complaining. Well, it's, I don't have it today. And I'm like, by the second period, I'm already like checking out. It's like, there's still two more periods to play and like produce and, and play. So that was one of the major things. I just didn't know how to deal with that early adversity and all the games, almost all of them. Cause I went back and actually looked and looked up the each stat in each game. Cause I was curious. I was like, wow, that's 20 games of a point out of 49. And uh, almost every game I got a point, got a point in the first period. I always came out flying. And even the games where I didn't get, I came out flying. I'm game day, it's ready to go, fly, trust myself. And then adversity set after that first period. It's like, oh, come on. Like, gotta be. And I, what happens? I'm tensing up. Not, like, now you're likely to play worse in the second period. Definitely no points. And then, like, now you're going to the third period pissed and frustrated. And, like, it's just like, it's not going to go as well. So, um, it's a clot. And then sometimes that goes on for games on a time, right? Which like, you're constantly worried about points. And that's the other thing. Like I was so obsessed with points and we've had some good, um, talks with some NCAA coaches, OHL coaches about so many players, junior players are so obsessed with their outcomes because they matter. But when your your definition of success, when your focus is all about the results and points, you're not focused on what you can control in the process. And everybody knows that everybody knows focus on the process, not the outcome. Nobody actually really does it. Your definition, like the way they see it in their mind and the way our culture teaches it, it's about points. And so we need to like shift our mindset, get perspective to do it. So those were a couple of big things I struggled with. I, I continue to struggle with various ways and I eventually learned along the way. And then now as I went to school and now I'm doing the work I can, I try to take it very, to take that complex idea that I just kind of touched on. Let's put it in a very simple way, understandable, digestible, that works and applies you know, an efficient time and manner. So, um, yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely struggle with the highs and the lows there in the first periods. Well, when you went to York, that's where you first started at CI. It was called CIS actually, when we yeah. both played, it's now called U sports yeah. hockey, but when yeah. you started at York and you're going through your first kin degree, after mm -hmm. you graduate, you went to the U of T where you played another two seasons. And that yeah. was when you're working on your master's of, of sport performance psychology. Yeah. Were you able to take the things that you learned in the classroom and start to workshop them and apply them in your own life and in your own game to help you just to just to see like, oh, do, do these actually work? And then did yeah. you see success or what did you find? Yeah, I, I'd say so. Yeah. So I was applying them to myself. Like I work with a sports psychologist when I was 16, like my, my underage year, 17 year old year. Uh, and she was great in a lot of ways and gave me a lot of strategies, but she wasn't uh, overly hockey specific. Um, and, and I read tons of books. I was constantly my own guinea pig. And we were, uh, as a family, I did all these other courses outside of academics as well that were helpful. And so I was constantly just kind of 
piecing it together myself. And, and so I had some successes along the way. It's like, okay, this is working for me, but it wasn't probably till my last few years at U of T where I really kind of started to stabilize and like understand like perspective and resetting and staying calm and collected and doing it on a consistent basis. Um, and, but even then, like, I'll be honest, it's not like I'd figured it out. It's not like I was still pretty young and like, I hadn't like what I know now compared to what I knew then, like, it's not even comparable. And so, but it was starting to help me play more consistent. I wasn't so up and down, so tied to the results uh, and so forth. So it was one of my, and like my last few years, I really enjoyed those years that the team we had, like, you know, when you play university hockey, you're, you're becoming an adult, right? And the, the relationships you build there and the people that were on that team, like my best friends from York, my the relationships I have with the guys at U of T um, are great. So I really enjoyed that time. And I, and I as a, just on a side story, but I knew I wasn't going to go back. I wasn't going to go play pro after. I wasn't going to go try and do Europe or, or do the minor pro or anything. I was like, I knew what I wanted to do after my master's. And, um, but I still played my second year just because like, why not? <laughs> I was very happy I did, but I almost didn't because I got a concussion the year before. And I was like, well, my brain's important and I don't want to risk it. And I was like, but like, you know, I can never go back really and go play again and, and have that experience. So um, for now, I forgot what the question was, but it was, um, that was, it was a meaningful time. And I did start to figure things out, but it was, uh, I, I still know a lot more now than <laughs> what I knew then. Well, coming out of school, when you, when you left, well, when you left York, I guess, after your PhD and you started the consistent elite performance uh, business mm -hmm. that you have, it's consistentelitperformance.com. If anybody wants to go check it out, there's a lot of great yeah. stuff on there. There's also the consistent elite performance podcast, which I've already <laughs> shared with uh, yeah. a few parents that have reached out to me that are asking about, you know, the Western yeah. hockey league and junior hockey and, and their routes. And I think there's a lot of good information for, for players that are my kind of area right now, which is the, the younger players. But as you got out of, out of schooling, uh, there is a big difference between working with 16 year olds and working with 25 year olds. So mm -hmm. do you find that uh, for yourself, you want to focus more on everybody in hockey or do you find that you're more specific? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too specific. Like I'm, what I care about most is having a cultural shift. So having an impact on sport, even just our culture, like I do business workshops as well. Um, but it's that shift in mindset from being so results centered from we're all about what we do and achieve versus like who we are as people and the meaning and value we bring in understanding ourselves. And so <clears throat> there is from a, like a business and, and a, there's more opportunity to work with 16, 17 um, even 14, 13 younger athletes, because there's just more of them. Like there's just limited 25 year olds to work with to a degree. Um, like I have some pro players, some NHL players even now. And, you know, I, I really like working with those players. Don't get me wrong. So <clears throat> personally, I want to kind of, you know, have a nice roster with those. Cause it's a lot of fun when you see, you know, you're watching a guy in highlights and he scores the OT winner. I'm like celebrating at home. Like as if I feel a part of it and there's that connection and they're such great athletes and people to work with. But I really love this age too, between, you know, 15 and their, you know, their CHL, WHL, OHL draft and NHL draft years. There's pivotal years in people's lives. I mean, even young twenties where they're learning, these are life skills. This is a mindset and it's, it's shifting the trajectory of their career because they're on the, they're keeping the right headspace. Um, and so that is, we do work with a lot in that age range because of how many people there are and how big of an impact it can have. 
And because often the, a lot of reasons why guys don't go on to pro hockey or, or, or players and people get to the level they want is because their mind is holding them back. They have these limiting beliefs or they haven't figured out how to be a little more consistent and manage their emotions. And so it is a, you know, another area of their game to work on. So I, yeah, we don't inherently specialize with one over the other because the principles apply. We wor- I've worked with like people that are like 10. Like it's like, like it's not our ideal and it doesn't work as well um, in the sense, but it's like the sooner you learn it, the better. So as long as they're mature enough and it, it takes slower to work, but then they have it, right? Versus like come to me when you're 18 and you've had like years of believing in and having a mindset this way, you know, we can make the shift then and, and work on it then, but it's actually, you know, younger to a degree is almost better from a long-term perspective. So, um, but I, I don't really prefer to work with the 10 year olds just to be clear. <laughs> We've only done a few of those, but that's uh, kind of gives you, give you a perspective of the work. Yeah. It sounds like you're almost developing skills. Like you're developing yeah. mental uh, performance skills that you can kind of lean back on when you do face the adversity that comes through, especially if you're going to be a high level athlete in hockey, especially like, Look at the NHL, look at the bottom six on NHL rosters, and then look at their junior stats. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. really add up because all those guys are 90 point, hundred point guys and the O and the Q and the dub and NCAA. But then when they get to the NHL, they're asked to play a different role. And speaking of different roles right now in the Western hockey league, we have two hubs that are going to be going on. And for the players that haven't played in a year and a half, they're coming into this completely unique situation. What are some of the, the things, if you were with them, you would be saying, you know, this is kind of where your mind needs to be to perform at, like you said, a consistent elite performance level while you're in the bubble. Yeah. I think that there's a bunch of different ways we can approach this. I think the first big one is just managing their expectations, managing the pressure that they might be putting on themselves you know, I've got uh, some WHL players I'm working with in OHL. They're, I don't even know if the OHL season has been announced yet. Still, they're kind of still in discussions. But it's this mindset of like, oh, well, now it's I have to be so good like in these, like we only have 20 games or whatever it ends up being. It's like you feel like, oh, I'll have to be perfect now or like there's so much pressure to do, do well. And it's like everything's riding on this. Those are all not inherently true. Right. To a degree. Yeah. Like there's more pressure in different ways. And yeah, there's a lot riding on it in some ways. But this season and these games don't define your career. Like I always talk about make or break. There's no real true make or break. Like getting drafted to the NHL does not make or break someone's career. Right. It doesn't. There's tons of guys that get drafted in NHL and don't go on. And there's tons of like and don't make it to the NHL. And lots of guys that don't get drafted in NHL and make it. So clearly it does not define your career. Um, and same with like the WHL draft. And so this season, no one season will define you. Like, sure, it can help and influence and some kind of like slow you down a bit, but you can overcome that. And so, and yes, it was shortened and heightened. So like, if you go on a bit of a slow start, then like, so be it. Like I was talking with a BCHL player the other day and he's like, they got their first game coming up. He's like, what if I don't play well? I'm like, well, you might not like, <laughs> it's just, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I could guarantee these 20 games that you're getting to play this year, you're going to be perfect. You're going to be lights out and light it up. I can't say that. Like, and so you can't be telling yourself that. And you know, that's not true, right? The results will be based on all the prep work you've done, the mindset that you're in, your ability to focus while you're there and a bit of results of like, who's your competition, how they're doing. So it's, but if you're so tired, it's like, it needs to be certain results. It has to go this way. I expect it to go well that's going to be problematic. And the other way that I'd frame it too, is just understand there's always going to be a learning curve too, right? You've been off for a long period of time. So like, yeah, there might be a bit of an adjustment period, 
everybody's kind of going through it. Just embrace it, accept it. It could be when anytime you're going on an adjustment period, it could be like, it might feel like a period. Like, and then it's like, yeah, I'm back to normal or it could be a game or two games, but don't worry about it. Just deal with it, embrace it. It, it will click. You'll get back into the groove and, and you'll enjoy playing those, you know, high competitive games again. The other big thing that then, you know, that, so that's one side of just managing the thoughts. Cause like you can really get in your own head quick um, in those ways when you're going in. And so, and especially if it doesn't start off the way you thought it would, right. I've given an example, like sometimes it starts off the way you think good and keep it going. Right. So like my games where I got a point in the first period and then keep it going. Right. So, but you have to be ready that maybe it has a bit of a tough start. And so like, I would even use this analogy where there'll be guys that are like top guys in points or production or D goalies, whatever, um, this year that have a not a great first game and they'll still rise above and do it. And the, otherwise I'm sure there'll be a player too that lights it up the first game and they're just an average, like, you know what I mean? But they're not going to finish at the top. So those first games aren't going to define who has a great season, right? It's, are you continuing to do your work Focus on your game plan, your process, your definition. And we call it like accepting and letting go, separating, creating some separation from the game itself because you're still just playing hockey. You've been playing hockey. You want to keep playing it. Now, the flip side, I think, which so that to me actually applies all the time, every season, every game, but it's kind of heightened in a, you know, bubble. Haven't been, a, it's been a long time, a lot of pressure, short season, et cetera. The, the other flip side that I haven't spoke to and I think is worth speaking to is like your overall mental well-being because you're stuck. You're like, what's social life like? You're connected. Like you're like, so you need to have and develop routines that are going to keep you engaged, healthy. And there's more to you than just being a hockey player. You have to take care of your overall well-being. How are you like, I could take, for example, a lot of the guys, and I'm sure you've done this. I've done this at times. Like, okay, all I do is hockey and then like play cards and play video games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as like, um, and like, there's what's the substance to your life outside of being a junior hockey player? And so thinking about that and, and working on your mind, reading, engaging, having healthy conversations, FaceTiming with family or friends, if, if you can't, like, obviously you're not gonna be able to see certain people. So what, like taking, eating well, sleeping well, meditating, you know, like doing gratitude in the morning, focus on what you can do and you've got to do, right. And keeping perspective versus like, oh, this sucks. I wish we could do this. I wish there was this. And you can focus on all the stuff that's not going your way. You can't do and that you don't like about being a bubble, but it becomes really important to keep a healthy mindset and develop some routines and reflections or journaling, uh, gratitude in the morning so that, and, and other meaningful activities so that you have a more balanced and well-rounded um, mindset, let alone just as a person. So that's going to help because if you're getting stressed away from the rink, that can carry in and vice versa. And just general, we just don't want people to be overly stressed and down and out and on um, not dealing with the bubble situation um, effectively. So that would be kind of my two big prong advice. Obviously, I could go on forever here. I'm, I'm, this is a long answer so far. So I got lots of other things I can say, but I think those would be the top ways I would answer that question. Yeah, I think our BC division teams might be clipping that one and uh, yeah. playing it for the boys in the dressing room. But I think you brought yeah. up a really good point there. And one of my questions is actually going to be, what are the characteristics of like a good mental health for a young person? I think you touched mm -hmm. on a lot of them there. But for myself, when I left junior hockey, when I left hockey, I really looked back and was like, what more is there to you than just playing hockey? Mm -hmm. What interests do you have outside? What do you like to do? And I really 
was disappointed at the time to be like, you know, hockey's kind of your only thing. It was your identity. And then when yeah. you finally leave, you're like, oh my God, my identity has gone. So I think it's super, and you touched on it. It is so important to have hobbies outside of hockey that you yeah. can fall back on when you talk about that stress, a practice didn't go well, you can go home and play guitar. You can go home yeah. and work on a book that you've been working on. I love yeah. that advice for our kids. And, you know, this is a question I was going to ask at the end, but we've both been through the junior hockey system. We both understand what a junior hockey day looks like. If you mm. were running a junior hockey and we'll say an OHL, just because that's something that you have more familiarity with than saying yeah. Swift Current Saskatchewan for you. Yeah. But if you could run a team, what would be one thing that you would change about the day-to-day -day or a week for your players to help them improve that mental health? Yeah, I think... Um... I think a big thing is kind of like making a requirement um, that they have other values or other things of interest outside of being a hockey player. So whether like, and knowing each person has their own unique ones and, and a lot of teams will do this. Like it's like the charity work, it's the outreach, it's um, you know, other hobbies, team building exercises. And, and so I, I think that's crucial. So whether it's you're playing the guitar, you're reading a book or, or it is education. Like for me, and I'll use my own experience. Like I was hot, like I was really, I was talking to James Boyd, who's um, was one of the coaches. He was like, you were the most stressed person about school as he said about me. And it's like, and I had the best grades. <laughs> so I was like, and I'm still the one stressing out the most about it. So it should have been the other way around. But so I didn't necessarily handle the stress around it well, but like I had something. And I think it's important that you have an area of your life that you're growing because we all intrinsically want to grow and learn and contribute there's more to us than, than just hockey. And, and I will frame it because you mentioned it. Hockey can still be your main thing. It can be your number one. It's a big part of who you are and, and how you see yourself and, and what you value and you work towards, but it's not everything. And I think when you understand that, and it's also understanding, like it's a choice that you get to make. And one day we like, everybody's not going to be, you know, their main value and thing that you're choosing is not going to be hockey, whether that's when you're 30 25 or you're 40 like you all move on you're no longer the player you, you become a coach or you become a mentor or a scout or you just leave and go into other things right so it's uh, and when those days come it's there's going to be other values that matter and in the meantime along that way there's other values that you can be uh, choosing as well because it gives you a bit of perspective it's like the ability to leave the sport and then come back to it allows you to be refreshed Right. I've talked to some junior players and all they do is they think about the game all the time. It's like, that is not great for them. So it's like building that in and, or the alternative is like, as I mentioned earlier, it's like, you either think about the game all the time or you're playing video games. And it's like, well, video on social media and like TikTok, and you're just scrolling. Right. I do a lot with like athletes, like let's manage your social media use. Cause that's actually can hurt uh, mental well-being and mental health. But it's like, is that meaningful, right? Like playing video games, unless you're trying to become like a video game paid guy, like that's actually a career now or whatever. But anyways, outside of that, um, like doing those things aren't high on like intrinsic meaning. They're external like pleasures and like fun things like entertainment. And it doesn't mean don't do them. It's just what else are you doing that has substance, that has internal meaning um, to contribute, you know, community work. So I would integrate that in as like part of our values and systems that it's like when I was talking to um and our my I have another podcast I got two I don't know how that happened but I do the other one's called beyond the X and O's more just like coaching leadership based and the Canisius coach Trevor Large was talking about um there's more to you than just a, a player like who are you being like who is the person 
And so it's kind of making that a part of the team culture and values. So, um, and a lot of you'll, I'm sure a lot of the coaches in the league probably identify with that already to a degree, but that's the players got to really embrace it. Cause even like all I can admit and, and other coaches will admit, it's like, they say that to the player, but they're still, it's like, I am what I do and achieve. I am about points. And like, I am just a hockey player. So it's doing our best to cultivate that culture and, and give perspective for them to step out and reflect on and engage in other things. So that was a great question. Hopefully yeah, I answered it there. Oh, you answered it perfectly. I think you're 100% right. And well, obviously you're 100% right. You're the one with the PhD. What am I talking about here? Jeez, Louise. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is, uh, no, I think that, uh, you know, from our teens and our coaches and the ones that I've gotten to meet, you know, the best coaches now are the coaches that have those relationships with the players that understand what the players value, that understand, you know, their background, what makes them go, what doesn't make them go. And like, look at a guy like John Cooper in the NHL. I mean, year after year with Tampa Bay, he, he's getting these, these young players that are third and fourth round draft picks, turning them into, uh, you know, mm. second line players that Tampa can't hold on to anymore because they've yeah. developed so well. But what, you know, one other thing that happens in, in hockey specifically that, well, in sports and any sports, to be honest, but when mm. you get injuries or multiple injuries, like for myself, I had my very first Western hockey league game ever. Uh, Lucas Bluedoff came in behind the blue paint, gave me a little slew foot, dislocated my shoulder. Oof. And that was a long, long two shoulder surgeries, a lot of dislocations. Mm-hmm. And for me, I really, when I look back and reflected, I, I saw a huge mental shift in my game from that. You know, you mm-hmm. have that Superman kind of feeling of, oh, you can do anything. And then, you know, once the chinks in the armor keep piling on, you start going, oh, I don't know if I want to go in that corner. I don't know if I'm going to, if this guy hits me and I fall down. So how do you go about reframing your mindset when it comes to injury to get you back to where you used to be. Yeah. And I'm going to actually tie this into the pandemic because one of the main things about injuries could easily be related to the pandemic where it's like, you feel like there's a loss, right? There's a, there's a major feeling like I'm out, I can't play. And a lot of players have been going through that where it's like, this sucks, I'm injured, or this sucks, I'm in the pandemic. And like, it's like, I, obviously I work with a lot of Canadians, but I work with Americans, the, the poor Canadian kids that are watching the Americans, like what, what pandemic? Like, <laughs> it's like, what COVID? Like, unless they have COVID, their games are on, like for the, for the most part. So it's like, and like, how does that then make the, like, it's like, oh, like, it's like, it's, it's hurting, right? It's like, you're, you feel like you're missing out. It's like, it's a crushing, it's like how negative this is. So the truth is, and what's helpful is the perspective to zoom out. And it's like, how can we grow from this? What's the silver lining to the pandemic, to the, uh, to the injury and allowing it to give you perspective? Because if you just weigh, and I'm not saying that injuries and pandemics don't suck. They do. <laughs> There's nobody like, yeah, yeah, I want, can please sign me up for the pandemic and for the injuries. No, nobody wants it, but we can grow from it and come out stronger. And I've been telling that to a lot of athletes and the, and that's helping them get through it. And they're going to come out stronger. And it's the same with injuries. And, and I've experienced it somewhere. I didn't come out stronger somewhere. I came out flying. Like I'd be like, I was better after I got injured than I was before. And so, but what matters is how you treat it. And if you're seeing it as like, okay, well, what's the opportunity here if I'm injured or this pandemic? Well, I can ref- I can refresh. I can reinvest in this. I can focus more on my mental game. I get that physical mental break to come back that much more motivated and charged um, and, and, and focus on what I can control. And so it'll take it for what it is. It's not all bad. There's some benefits and things to take out of it. This pandemic, there's opportunities to focus on, to look within, to fall in love back with the sport for why you started playing in the first place. 
right? You just like so many players are so appreciative just to go practice again, right? After not being to practice. So, and, and think of the mental resilience now throughout the rest of your career, the mental resilience that you develop when you get injured. So you can get through a long injury or a short injury or any injury and you come back, it's like, well, when you miss a shot or you make a mistake, it's not so bad because you have more perspective. You know how to deal with uh, adversity. And so, and that's crucial. And I talk a lot about this with a lot of things, but a lot of times people see just success and playing and, and everything as these fantasies that are all good. Well, what if I'll give you two examples. There's two WHL players and one just has an easy career and everything just goes his way. No injuries, um, scores all the time. You know, the odd obviously game doesn't score and stuff, it's, but just generally his first line, everybody's pumping, he's, everything's go well. And then player B struggles a little more. Get some injuries here and there, has to deal with that. You know, has some tough times, gets sent down to like the fourth line at times. You know, he, he's battling his way, he's working his way and dealing with adversity. And then both players go play pro after. And what's going to happen at pro? Adversity is going to happen to both of them. And who's going to be more likely to deal with it? More likely it doesn't mean that you can't have like success and then deal with adversity at the next level, but it's like you are preparing yourself. And if you can deal with it now, you can, it'll help you deal with it more later. But if you see of where you are now in your injury or the pandemic as all bad, and you're not seeing the like, hey, this is my chance to practice this mindset, to develop and hone my resilience and develop my inner strength and, and inspiration and love of the game, to overcome challenges. And if you don't see that, then you're not going to deal with it as well. <laughs> you're going to be having the pity party and, oh, it sucks to be injured. And uh, like, I wish I could do this. And you're focused on the things you can't do. And, uh, and it's like, you're just going to like, be having the pity party right like that's not going to help you bounce back and come back stronger and it's going to make you feel awful the whole time so we can't change the fact of the injury or the fact of the pandemic but how you write the story and own the story you have control over and so it's like okay i'm going to own this situation for what it is and see that perspective so now i'm going to come out of it way stronger and and then i actually come back flying there's a couple other big things to do especially for injuries but it's mentally preparing for how you want to play when you come back. So it's huge. Like, okay, what, what, I get reconnected to the process. How am I going to play versus when you're just playing, you're just, just like, okay, just keep playing, do this. Now you actually get time to like reset, take a break. Who am I as a player? How do I want to play? And then you spend weeks imagining, focusing on the process for you. And then you come back. It's like, I know who I am, how I want to play. And like, I've often, like I said, and I've had it with a lot of players coming back from injuries, they come back flying. Right. They're not afraid of re-injury. They're not like, cause they dealt with and they're in the right perspective. The other um, thing that's cool that I always frame that I think is just good for injuries is if you have an injury, imagining yourself healing it, like kind of like Wolverine, like, you know, you know like automatically is actually works. There's like good research that shows like that helps you recover faster and it gives you something you can do. Right. So doing things like daily, like, like I talked about with the mental health um, with the bubble is you know, what am I grateful for? What can I do? Well, one thing you can do is imagery of your performance, but also imagery of your body healing. Um, and that actually has been proven to help. Exactly how, well, I'm not going to go all into that, but it's more or less you're just, if you focus on your uh, right arm getting heavy and warm and relaxed, it does because your mind and body is connected. So the, um, and so it's the same thing. It's like you're putting energy, your, your blood flow is going towards that uh, where it's your shoulder or whatever is going it's, it's actually helping speed up the recovery process um so i won't talk too much it's a unique thing might as well try it can't hurt to try so but again it gives you something else you can do so those are a couple of my big ones there's other things we could go into if, um if you have any specific questions but 
yeah, dealing with injuries, dealing with the pandemic, tough, challenging situations. Your mindset around it, focusing on understanding what you can do um, is crucial. You know what's great about talking to you is it sounds like and it feels like I'm talking to somebody that's living their passion. They are mm -hmm. getting to every single day, do something they love, make a difference in the world. And, and as you talked about, you want to change the culture to be more meaningful. You want to create that meaning within people and help them find their own meaning through sport and then into their life. Because as we've talked about, sport is just one aspect of our life. It's not who we are. It's part of who we are. Uh, and, you know, I just, I've, really appreciated you taking time out to talk to me. And I just have one last question for anybody who's listening. Do you have any, any resources you would, you would recommend that they pick up if they want to get into this? If there's any players in the Western Hockey League that after listening to this say, you know what, that sounds like something where, uh, you know, I might use my WHL scholarship to, to get into sports psychology. Is there any resources you think that those, those people that are interested should look into before, you know, they make the jump? Yeah, I think um, for sure. Like, I think it's, it, it's, uh, and I'll maybe answer this in a couple different ways, but first, like, yeah, it, and I appreciate you uh, with the, the positive feedback there. And, and I am very passionate about this and cause, and one of the main reasons is, and I've experienced this a lot now as you have, uh, and even outside of sport, it's stressful when you're like, so caught up on these things, like it weighs on us. Like life is like walking through quicksand or having a dark cloud on you. And it's like, this is a lot more fun and enjoyable. It's like, and it's a classic uh, saying in all sports, but hockey is like, you play better when you're having fun. And it's like, but all about having fun when I'm playing, but it's like, no, you can have the mindset where you show up and you're enjoying and loving your sport and having fun. And you can do that in life too. And it doesn't mean that there's no stress or challenges, but we're better at dealing with them. We're not just letting them bog us down. And so no, I appreciate you sharing that because it is a big passion, obviously of mine and I'm glad to, that's coming through. And then that ties into like, well, if you want to do more of this work um, or you're interested in learning more, there's like two ways to do it. It's not two, there's lots, but the two ones that I'll, I'll, I'll frame is, you know, we, all the stuff on our site. So like we have lots of great stuff, um, YouTube. Um, and what's videos. that website again? So consistentlyperformance.com. And uh, thank you. And that's, and we have like the same like Instagram and um youtube are in the podcast and stuff so there's good easy content that we uh throw out there that you can learn more and that's uh coming in my story which is and and our the way we kind of condense the research that's out there and the strategies and then there's obviously like we have our programs if someone's interested and we have some like low ticket programs group calls etc and there's other coaches that work in us so if you are interested they can reach out but then there's also like, there's so many great books um, and other people in the field that are doing great work too. And so whether that's um, one of the most fundamental ones actually called the inner game of tennis was one of my favorite, still most fundamental. This was about tennis or there's also the one called the inner game of golf, but it's by Timothy Gallagher. It was like written in the eighties and it's just so simple. It's a, a bit of a cultural shift and mindset shift. And it's still one of the most well-supported written books. And it's simple. It's really short to read. There's all kinds of other great books too on that field. One of the other ones I read recently and uses work laws, Todd Herman, and it talks about the alter ego effect. And so there's all kinds of great books out there. I'm in the process of writing my own books. I'm planning to write many books myself because I've got lots to say and, and condensing what the research knows and what all my mentors have taught me and, and to bring it in my own ways. I do that right now through videos and programs more so than a, a tangible book yet, but there's, there's lots of great people to go out and keep learning and I think this is, everybody's going to do this to some degree in life, right? We all think about confidence. We all think about um, focusing on the process and staying motivated. We all understand them, 
but you have to come up with a strategy and a system that works for you. And so learning from me or others in the field or your parents or coaches, uh, other podcasts, etc., can all be ways for you to just reflect and become more self-aware, find out what works for you and the strategies. So I'd encourage to, to read around, search, search up other people. Obviously, I encourage myself a bit, but I'm a little biased there. So they, uh, um, but that's, uh, those would be the ways to kind of look at it. And, uh, and then obviously just reach out if you want to have a chat. We often offer 30-minute free intro sessions. So whether it's with myself or one of our other coaches, we do that just to kind of give people a better understanding, get to know them, they get to know us uh, before maybe even doing one of our, uh, our programs. Well, look so at that. That's, uh, there you go. Easy book from the 80s about tennis is all you need to learn how to yeah. <laughs> reset your mind. Uh, well, I, again, I, I am so thankful that you took time out of your day. Uh, Dr. Cassidy Preston from Consistent Elite Performance. That's the name of his company. You can head to consistentelitperformance.com. They also have a very good podcast for, for young hockey players, for really any hockey players or any athletes to talk about the mental performance side. It's called the Constant Elite Performance Podcast. I would like to thank Dr. Preston one more time. This was one of the best conversations I've had by far. And I think a lot of our teams might be clipping quite a few things from here and bringing them to the dressing room. So I appreciate it so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode of the WHL Podcast. I'd like to thank Dr. Cassidy Preston for taking so much of his time out of his day to sit down and talk with me about those topics, as well as Dustin Wolf of the Everett Silvertips. He's quite a busy young man right now as well. Again, this Friday, we'll have all four divisions up and running, and you can catch all of the action on WHL Live. It's new, it's revamped, and it looks pretty good. To follow me, you can go on Twitter and look up at Zach Hotter. To follow the Western Hockey League, you can look up at the WHL. For everything WHL, head to the website www.whl.ca. Have a great week, and we'll drop another episode next Wednesday.